The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to my chat with Jessica McCauley. I hope you enjoyed part one. You're back for part two, so I'm guessing you did. Now it's time to hear part two of Jess's story. So then moving into the third trimester, you felt as if your insulin resistance had increased massively. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It was it was pretty scary at first. I was definitely in and out of the doctors like, is this normal? Are we okay? Like, am I okay? Is baby okay? And they're like, yep, totally normal. Um, you know, you just... I think the wildest thing would be, you know, say I would have just like a little turkey sandwich for lunch um, or something small for lunch. And I would take like almost 10 units for something that I would normally take like two units for. Wow. It to kind of put it into perspective. Mm. And that was the scariest part. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I were to do that now, I would end up in the hospital. Like there is no way that I could do that. But since you have so many hormones and again, you're making a human, it's crazy the the changes that your body goes through and the the insulin intake you have to take to be at a, a normal range with blood mm-hmm. sugars. So did you feel as if then, Jess, with your insulin resistance coming to the end of your pregnancy, much like the lows at the start and reducing your insulin over time, were you steadily increasing your insulin based off the numbers that you were seeing each day? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I would. There was only three times that I vividly remember that I was over 200. Everything else I kept below. Um, and mind you, I did not have an insulin pump at that time. So if I were to change anything, it would be to be on an insulin pump on your third trimester. Um, I was only doing MDIs, uh, so that was a little bit harder. And I think I could have had a better control third trimester um, if I was on an insulin pump. But yes, I was definitely increasing on things that I was eating, you know, and I would I would have like a normal basic diet. I never really changed too much. Um, but I would find myself taking an extra unit or two just to be safe. And then if I got like a little low, I would be like, okay, at least I know I took the right amount of insulin for whatever I was eating at that time. So that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Of course it does. So a lot of it, again, I suppose like most, most things with diabetes, trial and error to see what you're doing and the result of it, and then adjust based on that result that you see. 
Yes, absolutely. And you know, your mind, uh, well, my mind was at like, well, I don't want to do anything to hurt this baby. You know, that's Mm. the last thing I want to do. So I think I was like in the mindset of if I was a little bit lower, I felt like he would have been a little bit healthier instead of being, you know, 200, 300 or anything like that. I felt like lower was a little bit better for me and my body and taking care of Walker at that time when Mm. he was still, still cooking in the belly. (laughs) Still still cooking. (laughs) And did you just increase both basal and fast acting insulin? Mm -hmm. Yep, I did. Um, just to put, I just to you know put it in perspective. So normally my long acting insulin I would only take probably five to ten units um, when I was on MDIs, um, and when I was in my third trimester, I believe from what I remember, I took fifteen to twenty units of oh. long acting before bed, um, and for fast acting, uh, normal fast acting when I wasn't pregnant, I was probably five to six units. Um, per meal. And when I was in third trimester for my fast acting, I was taking, oh gosh, I want to say seven to 12. Yep. Seven to 12. I remember those numbers um, of fast acting. And, and mind you, I would eat like chicken and veggies and a little bit of rice. And I was still taking like 12 units of insulin. So you're roughly about a hundred percent increase even oh, yeah. though you are still eating vegetables and higher protein foods that yep. traditionally shouldn't have a massive impact on bloods. Yeah, it's yeah, and that's what was so scary that I was like, okay, I'm going to have this little bit of rice and I'm taking 12 units of insulin like I'm going to drop so low I'm going to heal over. But mm. it would it would maybe move a couple numbers, you know, I would be around maybe 90 to 100 and I would get down to like 80 after I ate and now if I were to do that, oh my gosh, it would not be good. And did you react differently to your bloods at that time, Jess? Because what I was actually only talking about on the, the podcast before this is how we can react to our blood sugars, you know, and oftentimes it's not the number itself that stares back at us, but it's what we associate that number with, you know, do we associate it with not being in control potential long-term complications, mm-hmm. a realization of the condition that we have. <laughs> not it, It's more so what we associate with rather than just the number. But while yeah. you were pregnant, did you feel as if you were under more pressure with your blood sugar? And did you feel as if you were reacting to highs and lows differently because you had a baby inside you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I was so strict on myself that, you know, um, when you first get told, you know, you tell your doctor you're pregnant, they're like, okay, you're going to have a bigger baby because diabetics always, you know, have bigger babies, you know, 10 pounders or nine pounder babies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I couldn't even imagine trying to get that thing out. And (laughs) (laughs) like that just is so scary in itself. But I, that's why I think I was so strict was to prevent the bigger baby, um, and having a, a scary labor really, um, which Mm. I don't know if, uh, you know, but I did not go full term. I only went 31 weeks. Um, 
So he was actually a preemie. Um, but I, yes, I was very strict on that because I didn't want a bigger, you know, nine, 10 pound, 11 pound baby. <laughs> mm. And do you mind me asking, was Walker premature because of your diabetes or is it un- unrelated? It was completely unrelated, but I was, I was convinced that it was, but, um, after everything happened, um, it was not, I asked the doctor like, Hey, I'm type one diabetic. Like, was this anything related? And they were like, Nope, it was, uh, kind of like once in a blue moon kind of thing. And it happened to me. <laughs> but as you say yourself, Walker now is a happy, chunky baby, which, which is the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. He, um, so when he was born, he was only, uh, four and a half pounds. And then when he was in the NICU for six weeks, uh, he got down to like three, three and a half pounds, but he's, he's well over almost 30 pounds now. So he's exceeded his small weight. <laughs> He's making up for the small weight when he started. <laughs> oh yeah. Gosh, he's so chunky now. It's awesome. <laughs> Given what you know now, Jess, from your experience throughout your pregnancy, is there anything that you would have changed or you would have done differently? You know, I wouldn't change a lot. I think it taught me a lot more than anything. Um, the only thing that really comes to mind is being on an insulin pump. Um, I was not on a GCM. I did finger pricks the entire time. Um, my doctor personally told me that GCMs aren't super accurate because of the hormones and everything that's changing in your body. It just kind of sends out wonky numbers. Um, so for me, I was not on a GCM, which I didn't have a problem with. Um, but if I were to change something, it would be on an insulin pump for sure. Especially in the third trimester. Um, just when that insulin resistance were to really kick in. And from your experience, what sort of advice, if anything, I know obviously you've said an insulin pump will kind of change the game for you, mm-hmm. but is there any standout advice that you feel would have made a big difference to you or may make a big difference to someone listening? I would say don't overthink it don't put so much pressure on yourself where you're stressed out or you're not in a good spot mentally. Um, you know, when I did have blood high blood sugars, I would just kind of be like, okay, we're going to correct it. We are going to go for a little walk. We're going to go for a bike ride. We're going to go do something that lowers it. You know, I'm not going to just inject myself with all this insulin. Um, I tried to do things very naturally and very, um, how do I say, like more healthy for myself, I guess you could say, instead of just instantly giving myself so much insulin, I plummet to, you know, really low numbers. So I would say just, just take it day by day and you're going to have high blood sugars. You're going to have low blood sugars. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, I kind of treated being pregnant as another way of diabetes, if that makes sense. Um, like I said, in the beginning, a good mindset, uh, a healthy, a healthy soul, a happy soul, um, things like that. So just don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> if mm, I were great to advice, really good Thanks. advice. So what's life been like Jess since having Walker? How has he, how has he changed things for you? <laughs> you know, I, 
I could cry thinking about it because he is just the happiest baby and just the sweetest boy. Oh my gosh, he's so sweet. And <laughs> you know, everyone says that about their kids, but he just has this this energy that you are just so happy around him and he's so happy. Like, you know, ba- I woke him up today, for example, from a nap to go take him over to uh, my mother-in-law so I could do this. And, you know, normal babies would they scream and they're not happy and he just rubs his eyes and he's just so happy. And he just, mama, like, Hey mom. <laughs> oh God. It's just the greatest feeling ever. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's a few people out there that need to take a, a page from Walker's book. So, I know, so they like, can live a happier life. Yes. And I don't know what I did in my life to deserve such a happy, happy boy, but I will do that for the rest of my life because he is seriously just the best kid. And I could sit here for hours and rant about him, hmm. but <laughs> I'll, I'll just say, please continue. <laughs> he's just such a good boy and he's happy and he loves everybody. And uh, he's just so, he's literally God sent. And I, hmm. I don't know what I did to deserve him, but thank you to whatever I did. I believe in karma and I believe he is my good karma for whatever I did in life. <laughs> I love that. And I can confirm for anyone listening that Walker is one of the cutest babies I've ever seen. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you if you follow me him. on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. you know that I post about him all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm guessing, Jess, that Walker takes up, as babies do, a lot of your time these mm-hmm. days. So how does or how has your diabetes management differed or how has it fit into life as a new mother? Um, you know, it's, it, sometimes it does take a back burner, uh, because, you know, if he's not having a good day or he's tired, you know, I have to attend to him first. Um, but I've always told, you know, I tell him, but he doesn't understand right now, but I tell my husband, you know, if I'm not okay, he's not okay. So I always, if he is a little upset, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go take care of myself first. And then I will get to him because if I'm, you know, low, I can't think straight. If I'm extremely high, I can't think straight. So I try to do things that keep me, you know, in range, which obviously doesn't always happen, but, you know, keep me in range and keep me um, in good numbers so I can attend to him and to his needs. Mm. So yeah of course absolutely so it's like (laughs) while you were pregnant obviously you wanted to keep things as perfect as possible Mm -hmm. for walker and now that he's been born you want to give him the time that he deserves and the time that he needs so you want your diabetes to not be taking up your time yeah and exactly and you know i have my days where he is upset but he's okay and i'm like you know what i just need to eat something give me a bowl of cereal give me something where i just need to eat And then I'm, you know, back on my A game because like I said, if I'm not okay, he's not okay. And, you know, he is my first priority and, uh, it's definitely a learning process and a learning curve on how having to be a mom, be a diabetic, you know, having a clean house and being a wife and being all these things. But, um, I think I got diabetes at an age where, um, it kind of made me grow up and just have it fit into my life. You know, mm. I just kind of was like, okay, we're just going to figure this out. We're going to, we're going to get it going and we're going to 
take care of ourselves because when I'm happy, <laughs> everybody else is happy. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing for everybody with, with type one to remember is, and what I always try and <laughs> what I always try and remind myself is as consuming as diabetes can, can be and feel sometimes the more attention that we give it, not that we need to obsess over it, but when we learn about it and when we eat good food and when we exercise and when we do the things that we should do, our diabetes gives us back time, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. if we do neglect it or avoid it completely, it takes up more of our time because we're treating highs, we're treating lows, we're worrying about it. It's affecting our mental state. So it's important to be able to attend to it without obsessing over it to be able to focus on the important things in our lives, like our family, like our job Absolutely. or our happiness, whatever we want to do. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's such a mental thing. I think, you know, if you're upset, your numbers are going to reflect that. Or if you're in a good mood, your numbers are going to reflect that. Mm. And I think that I've always tried to keep that mindset now, especially now being a mom. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course. I haven't a parent yet, but maybe someday I'll I'll understand that mindset more accurately too. And yeah, I think absolutely. E even from my experience up to this point, it's and as I was saying about the numbers earlier, when our time and range or our highs or our lows are staring back at us, it's not just the number. You know, it's what that means to us. It's the fact that mm -hmm. we're tired, we're irritable, we're pretty annoyed we, we've no energy it affects our sleep all these different things and i and i feel when we understand how our diabetes can potentially have that impact it makes us realize oh i should probably do what i need to do to manage this as best i can to get that yeah. time back exactly i couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> <laughs> so Jess, I have a few questions from Instagram because I told you earlier that I put up a question box on my story earlier to see if anybody who follows me or anybody who follows you has questions specifically for you, right? So I have a few in. Well, actually, okay. I've a lot in, but I don't want to bombard you with more questions because I've been I've been asking you loads. No, no, I love it. I'm an open book, and like I okay, said, sometimes cool. it gets me in trouble, but I'm I'm all for it. That's all right. So first one I have here says. I wish this was out this time last year, as in the podcast. My baby is four months now. It's a roller coaster, all right. Anything you know now that you wish you knew earlier slash advice? <laughs> oh, gosh, I remember now when Walker was four months, and I, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I think at, at that point, um, for me personally, my blood sugars were all over the place. And I would just, I would find, so advice, I would get help, you know, um, either like for me, my mother-in-law and my mom are like my biggest supporters. So, um, you know, having someone come and take the baby and you go to the park and have some quiet time or, um, you know, it's really at the end of the day, someone coming and babysitting for you for a little bit because it does, you know, get so overwhelming because you're so tired and you're so exhausted at that point, especially at, you know, four or five months. Um, so I would say reach out and ask for help because that's the biggest thing is you just need help. Sometimes you just need mm -hmm. someone to, you know, go get your groceries or make you a sandwich or clean 
the the room or do some laundry. You know, those little things really add up, which sounds so silly, but just reach out and accept the help when it's there. Great stuff. Next one I have here. Someone living with type 1 diabetes, having biological children, knowing the baby will be at a higher risk of developing type 1 diabetes. What are your thoughts? Um, I would say listen to listen to them as much as you can. Um, I unfortunately, you know, Walker does not have diabetes at this moment. I've gotten him tested plenty of times, but right now he is a-okay. But I would say just be really consistent on their health and on your health. Um, you know, if it's you living with diabetes or if they're the, the baby is living with diabetes, just be on top of it as much as you possibly can. And I think even that's even something that I had been thinking about because obviously I would never wish type one diabetes on anybody, mm-hmm. but I don't have kids yet. And obviously the thought of potentially them being at a higher risk of having type one, would that in any way make me not want to have kids? But in my opinion, it absolutely would not ever mm-hmm. make me want to do I was, that. I was going to say the love that yeah. you have totally outweighs um you know the sickness i guess you could say but i actually found out my doctor told me so since mom me i'm type one there's only like a three percent chance that your baby can get it get type one diabetes but if the husband or the boyfriend or whatever um is type one diabetic there is like a 60 percent chance 16 60, yeah, six zero that uh, the baby could get type one diabetes. Now that was what the doctor told me when I first, you know, found out and that was over a year ago. So I don't, you know, know a hundred percent if that could change or anything like that. But that's what the doctor told me when I first found out I was pregnant. I was aware that the child was more inclined to develop diabetes if the father was diabetic, but I didn't realize it was 60%. Thanks yeah. for ruining my night, Jess. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But sure, even from my own experience and perspective, not that I would expect a child of mine, if ever I have one, to have the same opinion as me, but mm-hmm. I see my diabetes as a positive addition to my life. And yeah. I, as I've said before, and I'll continue to say, if somebody was to burst in this door and say, oh, no, no. There's a cure. We can take back the fact that you were ever diagnosed. I wouldn't take it. So, of course, the love for a child that I potentially might have will outweigh the fact that they're diabetic. But also, it doesn't have to be viewed as a negative thing, in my opinion. Yes, I agree. I agree a million percent. And, I mean, we're best basically professionals at diabetes now. I mm. mean, we've had it for, you know, however long. And if Walker were to ever grab it or get it, I think um, I have a good enough control. I don't want to say I ever have a great control in my diabetes, (laughs) but I have a good enough um, sense of awareness for it that I kind of know what I'm looking for. And like you, if you were to ever have kids that were to end up as type one, I think we both know what we're looking for and how Mm -hmm. to handle it. And how to talk to them about it and being like, hey, it's okay. You know, it is what it is. 
your life is good. You're ha- you're happy. You're healthy. You, like you said, you have a roof over your head. You have food in your belly. It's just something added to your life, and we'll get through it. Mm. As you say, once you live with it, you can become a professional to a certain extent. And <laughs> yeah. You can probably say that if a child is in my household or Walker in your household probably two good households to be diabetic in <laughs> good I guidance agree. and support <laughs> i agree and then we have to pat ourselves on our back for that one i agree <laughs> exactly i have another question here for you jess and it is what was the most difficult aspect of your pregnancy um i would say the um the way walker came into the world um it had nothing to do with my diabetes but it was such a traumatic experience for me, for Walker, for my husband, that it, uh, took about a year to fully really overcome it. Um, and I can totally tell you what happened if you want. It's a, it's a good 20 minute story, but, um, yeah, if you're comfortable sharing, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So, uh, and thinking about it still makes me want to cry just because, you know, Walker could have me and Walker could have not been here. Um, So it was a very traumatic thing, but we're okay now. He is obviously very happy. Um, So he's good. But so going back, so I was uh, 31 weeks pregnant. Um, And like I said earlier, we have a fifth wheel. So we go camping, we have motorcycles, we have a a razor where you go out on the dirt, and you know, ride around and all that stuff. Um, So me and my best friend were pretty much pregnant. Same time, we were only like nine weeks apart. Um, so we were back at the trailer. We were just hanging out playing. We were literally playing Jeopardy. And I was, uh, the guy that reads the, uh, the question and, you know, told everyone the answer. So I was <laughs> the head honcho really playing, uh, Jeopardy and we were just having a good time hanging out. And, um, it was about two o'clock in the afternoon, two thirty, And I went back to my trailer. Um, I went to go make some food, uh, and <laughs> TMI, I'm sorry, but I was going to go use the restroom. And uh, I looked down as I was using the restroom and just saw a toilet full of blood, Um, like chunks of blood. All it it was just so overwhelming. And I'm like, uh, that's not good. So I ended up calling my uh, brother-in-law, who's a firefighter paramedic. So um, I called him and I said, hey, something's something's not right. Um, I'm bleeding. I'm 31 weeks pregnant. You know, what do I do? And he and mind you, my husband, Derek, was out with the motorcycles on the on a ride on on the razor. So he wasn't with me. Um, So in that moment, I was by myself and I ended up calling a couple of my best friends that were in the trailer next to me and they came over and they're calling Derek, my husband, they're calling everybody that he was with. So they're, you know, hauling butt coming back to the trailer. And uh, so Brad, my brother-in-law was like, you need to go to the hospital. You need a, you know, I think Walker's coming. And I'm like, no, you know, this, this kid's still got nine weeks to cook in there. You know, we're not ready for him to come out. And so as soon as, um, I hung up with my brother-in-law, everyone's calling 911. We're getting, you know, the ambulance over, we're getting the firemen over everyone over and, uh, whew, talking about it still makes me <laughs> a little emotional, but, um, so Derek, my husband finally comes back in and I was like, Oh, Hey babe. And I passed out 
I was losing so much blood that I passed out and I don't really remember anything from for about 20 minutes. Um, and then I just kind of woke up and was in the in the uh, ambulance. And so it was an hour drive from where our camper was to the hospital. Um, so we got there and we got there at 720 and Walker was born at 732. So we were only there 11 minutes and he was already out and, you know, in the incubator with, with, uh, heart monitors and all this other stuff, which I did not see him for the first two days of his life because I was recovering from an emergency C-section. Um, and it turns out that my placenta was erupting. So like I said earlier, it was just a once in a blue moon kind of thing. And it happened to me, (laughs) but it was, that was probably the scariest part of my whole pregnancy was the, the birth and the way he came into the world. Oh my God. I had no idea that that (laughs) even happened. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, uh, pretty crazy, but you know, we're good. We're happy. We're here. And like I've, like you've said, he's chunky. He's, he's a good boy. And that's, that's all that matters. I appreciate you sharing that and, um, being so honest and, and letting us know on here because I had no idea that that even happened. Yeah. Um, so he actually ended up spending, uh, almost six weeks in the NICU. Um, and he, like I said earlier, he got down to about three, three and a half pounds. Um, and when he was home from the NICU, uh, which he spent six weeks, he, um, he came home at five pounds and now he's almost 30 pounds. So, <laughs> okay. So you're probably so. dying to get him home at that stage, were you? Oh my gosh. And that's, and you know, going back to diabetes, I've never had, I literally put diabetes back on a back burner. I was just like, I don't care. The only thing I care about right now is getting my son home from the hospital. Um, Mm. so, you know, that was probably the hardest. And then, you know, when he was finally home and we finally got in the swing of, you know, being new parents and all that stuff, I finally was like, okay, I should probably, uh, you know, take a little bit better control, but I was just so consumed with recovering myself. You know, C-sections are pretty, pretty crazy on the body. Um, but also so consumed with just getting my, my son home, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you think you're going to have a baby and you're going to take him home and that's it, you know, and you never sleep again. I mean, granted, I still don't sleep, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but it was just, it was just such a blur almost like the, the six weeks of him being there was such a blur. It was crazy. Mm. Well, you should be massively proud of yourself, Jess, the fact that you dealt with everything diabetes throws at you during your pregnancy. And then to deal with that at the end, I can only imagine how difficult that was. So to see how happy you, Derek and Walker are now is even more amazing. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you very much. And look, really, really, really enjoyed that episode. <clears throat> My voice is cracking now at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm I'm gonna put a tear in everybody's eye. Yeah, of course. It's a happy tear. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, it's a happy story in the end, which is the most important thing, as we know. And I really, really appreciate you being on. I learned a lot, I have to say. You outlined everything perfectly. 
really opened my eyes to what's involved and what the whole experience entails. And I'm sure anyone listening is going to be able to take a massive amount from that. So thanks so much, Jess. No, thank you. And I, I really appreciate it. And hopefully we can do this again. Absolutely. And I'll just finish with one question. I always like to finish with one more question at the end of these podcasts. And it is, if you, Jess, had the opportunity to thank diabetes for something, what would that be? Oh, man. You know, like you said, it's it's just such a part of me now that I really don't know what I would do if I didn't have it. Mm. You know, so I think it's it's taught me a lot. It's, uh, making me, it's made me grow up as a, as an adult a lot. So I really don't think I would, you know, change it in any way. Love it. Jess, again, thank you so much for coming on. I'm delighted that we finally connected because I've been following you online for some time now. So (laughs) it was, it was good to have a proper chat with you. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you directly? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, uh, diabetic underscore Jess, and I just made a TikTok, but we'll see how well that goes. I don't know how well that's going to go. <laughs> just put Walker on there and you get millions of followers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just show him and he'll be, he'll be famous. Yeah. You'll have to show Walker this episode once he's old enough to understand what it is. Yes, absolutely. And we'll show the, the improvement of where he started to where he is now and people would just be amazed but Mm. he's a great happy healthy little boy and that's that's all i could ask for absolutely that's the most important thing again jess thank you so much i really appreciate your time and i will chat to you soon yes absolutely thank you so much i really really appreciate it take care all right (laughs) bye-bye another massive thank you to jess i really really enjoyed that episode and as i say on these guest episodes all the time, I love when I have a conversation with somebody about something that I don't know a massive amount about. And I really appreciate Jess's time and her honesty around the experiences that she had because you heard yourself firsthand. There are certainly ups and downs and the dramatic nature of the birth of Walker in the end was obviously a lot to deal with for Jess. So I appreciate her telling that story. And I hope that has helped answer some of the questions you may have around pregnancy and type 1 diabetes. And if you haven't already, I would highly recommend checking out Jess's social media. She offers loads of support, loads of insight around all things type 1 diabetes and all things life as a new mother. She is a completely open book and she wanted to emphasize the fact that anyone can reach out to her at any time. So if you do have any questions for her or would like her opinion on anything or guidance or support, definitely reach out. I really enjoyed chatting with Jess and we were speaking together for ages before and after the recording. So she's a a really nice person to talk to. She was also telling me about her small business that she recently set up and she basically sells merchandise to raise awareness for diabetes and it's called the anti-insulin insulin club so check out jess's social media keep up to date with what she's up to and you can find her at diabetic underscore jess i will have it linked in the description but until then until you hear from me again as always 
I appreciate you tuning in. I know that I point out your time is a very valuable asset, which it is. So we always love that you are here to spend an hour or an hour and a half with us each week. And we hope that you're able to benefit from it each week. You keep coming back. So I presume you are. Have a good week. Have a good day. Watch those blood sugars. We'll chat to you soon. And if you have any questions, if you have any stories or experiences you want to share with the podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out. We love, 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 love getting them. That's a lot of loves. So send them in. (laughs) Don't hesitate. I will chat to you soon. Take it easy.